Hi guys, before we get started, I just want to warn you, this episode contains a lot of graphic drug talk, graphic sexual abuse, sexual assault, um, sexual assault against minors, um, child sexual assault materials, self-harm, suicide, it's a dark one. So I want you guys to take care of yourself and if any of those things would make this tough for you to listen to, skip this episode. I'll see you next week. Thanks. Hey guys, Princess here and welcome to another episode of Bye Pumpkin. Um, I'm recording late because I had a lot of stuff to do today. And then when I could have started recording, instead I watched all the Oceans movies. Why? I don't know. Something's wrong with me, guys. Um, I actually watched Oceans 8 last night because I really like Oceans 8. I I know people don't like it. I I just feel like I actually don't know, but I just feel like it's got like bad reviews or whatever. Um, But I really like it. I think Sandy Bullock looks really fucking good in that movie. I think her hair is very straight. I don't know. Is that a wig? Is that a blowout? It's good. It looks great. Um, I think Kate Blanchett is so fucking hot in this movie when she steps out from behind that truck in that Ziggy Stardust fucking <laughs> suit. I was like, ah, baby. Uh, obviously, uh, Rihanna, I, the reason I watch it all the time actually is this. Rihanna and Sandy are listening for something. I'm not sure. With like with one earbud in each of their ears and they like they're on a date and I and I like to ship that I I why not why not they could get married it could be great um but actually my favorite part of the movie is um Anne Hathaway Anne Hathaway's really good in that movie and she is fucking funny also she's real hot in that movie like where where's she getting these boobs from she always has those boobs I don't know She's real hot. She's real, like, lush, you know? Like, she just seems, like, you know, soft and nice. I don't know. I mean, not nice. She's a mean person in in the movie. (laughs) I mean, like, she seems, her body seems nice. Um, But I like to rewatch it over and over again. So I watched it last night. And then today, while I was doing some cleaning, I watched it again. And then I was like, Princess, why don't you go ahead and watch Ocean's Eleven? Which is, so if I were ranking movies, Ocean's Eleven, I mean, Ocean's Eight, just because everybody looks so fucking good in this movie. When Rihanna walks out, when she has to put on her disguise and put on that red dress, man, she looks so fucking good. So good. <laughs> um, I mean, it does, it has Aquafina in it. But I mean, okay. All right. <laughs> I, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Ocean's 8 is great. Um, Ocean's Eleven, well-written, um, it's a remake, but well-written, uh, Ocean's Thirteen, and then Ocean's Twelve. And actually, Ocean's Twelve and Thirteen didn't need to happen. I don't, I actually don't like either of those movies, but if I have to rank them, Thirteen comes before Twelve. Twelve, Committed to Cardinal Sin, you can't talk about one of the actors in this universe. The fact that they did that Julia Roberts bullshit. I am so fucking mad. I know she was like, I think she was super pregnant. I know she was super pregnant in the, uh, in, as she was filming this movie. I get it. But like, 
then we just need to push back production because we're not doing this. I don't, I don't like the meta of it all. Like, the reason I like these movies is I love a heist movie. I love a romp. I love a, a, I love a movie that like, at the end, the characters have to explain to you shit you didn't see. I love that. It's great. Um, you know, there's a, a great many plot holes, a ton of them, especially in Ocean's 8. So the deal is that they steal the Toussaint, they break it down, they plant some of it on the dude that put Sandy in jail, and this is when they have to bring Anne Hathaway into the whole thing because she's like, she's kind of caught up onto them and stuff. But what they don't tell the whole crew is that they didn't just steal the Toussaint, they, they stole the crown jewels of four royal families from Europe, okay? I don't know which ones, but they stole that. And they made a replica of them. And then they used, I don't know the man's name, the Asian guy from Oceans 11, 12, and 13. Actually, I don't think it's the same guy. When he shows up in Oceans 12, I'm very concerned that's not the same guy. And no one noticed. And I'm too lazy to look it up. Don't tell me either. I want this to be a mystery forever. So anyway... So they go get him, and while everyone's out, they have him do some kind of acrobatics to get the royal crown jewels and take them away and then put the replicas that they made in there. Great. Everyone looks surprised when they tell them about this, but Mindy Kaling's character made the jewels. She said she felt like she was a Kinko's. What did you think you were making them for, Mindy? And also, let's talk about like, you had to make them prior to uh, the heist because, I mean, it takes too long. It's not something you could do. So you made them prior to the heist. I understand how you got the dimensions of the Toussaint. Uh, Helena Bonham Carter is wearing, like, these special high-tech glass, made-up glasses that, like, get the dimensions and stuff. And she looks at it. Great. Who did that with the crown jewels? The crown jewels have been... Over, like, they, they have, like, kind of a moat kind of thing. You can't get to them the whole time. So when did you have, and when did you have time to do that? Have they been on, like, did I miss a scene? I've seen this movie a lot. Am I missing a scene? Am I going so gaga over how hot these women are? Every, no skips. Every single one of them. Well, you know what? Skip Aquafina. But no skips on the rest of them. Every single one of them is doable. Okay? All of them. Okay? Um... Am I like blinded? Did I I keep missing a scene or I keep missing a part where Sandy Bullock goes in and does the scan? I mean, because they're a museum piece. I guess they're on, I guess they're on display so you can actually see them. It's not just a night of the mat. I don't know, but I didn't see nobody uh, taking dimensions of the, of the crown jewels. That's all I'm saying. So then how did you get them? That doesn't make any sense to me. And the other thing is, what are we going to do with these crown jewels? You can't fence, you can't fence, uh, crown jewels you can't do that are you breaking them down is that what, is that what Minnie Kaling's there for to break down these things and um make them into the other pieces of jewelry and stuff like that is that what we're doing that makes sense it's how they got rid of the Toussaint well listen at the end of that movie they all made 36 million dollars and lord mm, 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 mm. that goodbye me, Rihanna, and Sandy, a little farmhouse somewhere. 
or we can just live in a throuple and I can just pet Sandy's hair <laughs> and look into Rihanna's eyes. <laughs> so I watched that. I watched Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve. I, I, and then I was waiting for my kids to go to sleep. And then so me and my husband, my husband has converted his man, his garage man cave into a dual office for the both of us. So that's where I am. So I was just kind of giving everybody some time to go to sleep and um, giving my husband some time to play some video games because I wanted him to get out while I record this podcast. Um, I don't know. Like, guys, I, I've definitely talked about this before because I've done this before. I've watched Oceans 8 and then went to watch all the ocean, other oceans. But um, imagine being Brad Pitt. <laughs> imagine just living your entire life as Brad Pitt. Like... You already have hot guy privilege from like day motherfucking one, right? Um, and then since the 90s, right? The late He's been active acting since the late 80s. But he's been a household name since the 90s. He's been the standard. When someone says someone, a man is really hot, they're talk, they go, well, is he Brad Pitt? Like forever, forever. He must be a monster. He must be a fucking monster. I don't think it's possible to live... The 90s... How long was it? 90s were 30 years ago, right? 2022? 1990? Yeah, 32 years ago. To live 30 years of your life being like a household name, being known as the standard for a hot guy, being like incredibly famous... So famous you get Jennifer Aniston. So famous you're able to cheat on her with Angelina Jolie. So, so fucking famous. And just like, I mean, I think it's interesting that we don't have any mainstream like media about him cheating on people. That's interesting because I'm fairly sure he cheats on people. I mean, he does cheat on people. But I'm fa- like, where where are his, um, where are his holes at? <laughs> where, where are they at? You know, they get on Dumois. Where is Hoes at? Why don't we know about, like, or maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm missing. You know, I miss this shit all the time. I'm not sure, but he must be a monster. I just do not believe he could be grounded. I do not believe he could be, like, a nice person, a grounded person, that with his feet on the fucking ground that lives in this world. I just don't believe that. Like, you know how Tom Cruise is like essentially living in his own made up world, right? Tom Cruise might as well be doing like a, a virtual reality. Like he lives in his own sp- space. I feel like Brad Pitt does too. I don't know. I just would just imagine being Brad Pitt. And you know, I don't essentially find Brad Pitt, usually find Brad Pitt like, like I understand why he's incredibly attractive. Like I understand on paper when we do the math, why he's attractive. He, Cause he is, but I personally am not usually attracted to him because, um, I don't do blondes. I don't trust blonde people. Uh, I'm trying to think, is there a blonde I trust? Beyonce. But like, I don't know. I get nervous. It's not that I don't, it's it's not that I'm like, oh, they're ugly. No, I just, I get real nervous around them because I never know 
when somebody's going to start some eugenics. And so I need to be careful with myself. And so I, um, I just get nervous. And so I don't, I don't do like blonde pale people get, I get real nervous about them. And, um, so, so usually he doesn't do it for me, but in Ocean's Eleven, at least, I think in 13 a little bit too, he's just always eating every scene. He's got some kind candies, some nachos, all coffee. He's, <laughs> and like, there's something really sexy about someone who enjoys food. Someone who gets messy and eats. Something sexy about them. Like they enjoy, they enjoy like, I don't know. If it, it feels like, it feels like they can do it for you in the bedroom, you know? Like they can, they, they are willing to get, they're willing to get their hands dirty in the bed. That, that's what it's. Someone who eats and enjoys food. Like someone who pecks at food and who is just like, I have some bear crackers and jelly. And like, <laughs> No carbs, no gluten, no <laughs> Like, I, I, if you can't, like, there's something about people eating and, like, really fucking enjoying food that, that like, I'm like, oh, they fuck. They know how to fuck. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's a, pretty much the only time I find him super attractive. George Clooney, I usually don't watch stuff with him in it because much like Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, I, like, like, it's very difficult for me to be like, okay, this is a story being told. It's more like, look at uh, George Clooney up there. What? <laughs> Did he play a lot of pranks on the... Oh, my God. I guess he's known as being a prankster on set. And I don't like pranks. I don't think they're fucking funny. And I don't like to be pranked. So I can imagine everyone, like, fake laughing all the time at these pranks. He keeps, You're so funny. And me being the only person being like, guys, we're at work. <laughs> Please stop. Please don't put fake dog dew in my coffee. Thank you. <laughs> and then we all got to laugh because he's so rich and stuff. And I'm so bad at faking shit. I'm so bad. This is why, this is why I can never be like a sugar baby or anything like that. Because I just, my face, I don't have no control of these facial mus muscles. I just, everything I feel is right here. I'm so bad at faking stuff. Like enthusiasm for things and like, it's all over. It's all here on my face. And so... Then he get me fired, like Will Smith did to Janet Hubert, the first uh, Viv. <laughs> Basically, because I wasn't like, you know, being charmed by him. He'd be like, oh, we got to get that bitch fired. She's the only one that doesn't laugh at my jokes and everything. So, yeah, like, I just see it happen. And that's why I don't watch George Clooney movies. <laughs> yeah, I'm just talking, guys. Um... So today's episode is a very special episode. It is a bonus episode. It's a, it's a bonus episode. It's a sponsored episode. While I was on vacation, I got an email. I got a message. And this is this is fucked up too because I got like I got like a couple more commissions like hanging out and email being like, "Girl, what are you going to do us?" And like some I haven't even answered yet. Like I have I don't want to say many, but I got a few. <laughs> but during my vacation, I got a message from Nicole um, saying, let me look at the message. How much can I pay you to recap more euphoria? This is giving me life. But for real, would love to sponsor an episode. This happened while I was on vacation. Or maybe, I don't know, before I went on vacation? I don't know. And 
I was like trying to get to my correspondence, like putting things in order. And I saw it and I was like, if I did a Euphoria episode this week, I would not have to watch an episode of Rock of Love because a Euphoria episode is no notes. It's just me. And I was like, oh, and it just, it just finished last Sunday. And then this would come out the following Sunday. I absolutely need to do this this week. And then I was basically like, if you give me $20, I'll do it right now. Like I act, I probably sounded like Rue, like needing a hit, a fix. <laughs> like it's, Listen, I need twenty dollars right now. So, <laughs> you know, I I rewatched Prison Break after it went off the air because I never saw it on the air. I just didn't get involved in it. Uh, I think it was on Fox. Maybe I always find it's probably on Fox, but I it's it's like a CBS thing because a lot of times I will not know a show exists if it's on CBS because they don't advertise anything. They're mostly they got six version of NCIS and then Chuck Lorre uh, sitcoms, which. Chuck Lorre is almost the only person making sitcoms right now. Almost. Thank God for Abbott Elementary. But I love a good sitcom. I just don't know that Chuck Lorre's sitcoms are always great. I did enjoy The Big Bang Theory. I also think it's because I watched a lot of Big Bang in a short of time. And so you kind of just like, you're like, I think I like this. <laughs> but yeah, CBS. I usually don't find out things that happen on CBS. And at first I thought Prison Break was on CBS. But I don't think it was. I think it was on Fox. Anyway. Um, I didn't see it when it was coming on. And so I rewatched it like off of Netflix after it went off the air. And my husband really liked it. So he started rewatching it, but he was like a season behind me. All right. So, and also he had to leave the work and I was still freelancing. So I was like at home all day and I just had fucking prison break on. So I woke up one morning and he'd been up all night. He used to stay up all night all the time. And he just, I came out of the bedroom, we were in Chicago and he just goes, he said something like, where the fuck is C-Note or something like that. And it took me maybe 10 minutes. I was so sleepy to realize he wasn't trying to get $100 from me, like right now, that he was actually asking about the character because I was so much further ahead of him. He wanted to know what was going to happen with him. But that energy he was giving at me when I was like, and I was really concerned. I was like, why do you need $100 like 7 o'clock in the morning right now? Why are you being so aggressive about it? What happened is how I was in that message. I was like, give me your house. So, <laughs> but she did. And we're getting a Euphoria episode. Now, before we get started, I want to make sure you guys know how do you get a sponsored episode. You can email me at uh, hello at bypumpingpodcast.com. You can message me on Patreon. And it's 20 bucks to sponsor the episode. And let's talk about what you want me to talk about. This is a great way. Like if you're disappointed that I'm not doing content that you want, this is a great way to move the content the way you want to. And that My 600 Pound Life uh, sponsorship, people always ask me to do more episodes of My 600 Pound Life. People always want me to do intervention episodes. People always want me to do like um, stuff where bad things happen to children. <laughs> absolutely serious so get your little 20 dollars together and send me a message and let's talk about it um but for now let's talk about euphoria now let's be clear this this is a no notes podcast okay no notes um because i just finished watching it and i thought about re-watching it. i was like no this is all fucking fresh to me so 
Euphoria Day is my favorite day on Twitter right now. You guys know that, like, my favorite time on Twitter, especially Black Twitter, is Easter. Because Black Twitter goes up and makes so many fucking jokes. It's so fucking funny. Uh, (laughs) They got got Jesus driving taxi cabs and cartwheeling out of a cave and doing all kinds of stuff. It is so funny to me. But Euphoria Day is funny. People watching Euphoria, best memes. People are just hilarious. And... I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. This is this is probably what people felt when they were watching Game of Thrones, but I didn't watch Game of Thrones because I can only, like I only have so much like brain space for rapes. I can't watch like a bunch of rapes every fucking week. I just can't. And I tried to watch the first episode and it was just a lot of white people in fur with dirty faces and it was 700 of them and I was supposed to remember who all these people were. Like who are it was the 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 uh the shooting was dark, like I mean the literal the literal film that I was watching on TV was dark. I'm like who is that? It's another white lady with dirty with a dirty face. What is this? I it was too much. I just couldn't do it. And like like and I'm not making myself like I watched I tried to watch one episode and I didn't want to so I stopped and. It's getting no. It's got. It's it's taken a while for me to get to the place where like. I am not gonna watch a popular show. I'm just not going to. Uh, like right now, Love Is Blind is out. I don't want to watch Love Is Blind. I tried two fucking times, and I don't want to. I. I don't care. <laughs> I do. I don't want to watch another fucking show where somebody's looking for love. I don't, or looking to get married. And these people fetishize like marriage and long-term relationships in such a weird way. And I'm like, dude, like, why are you acting like if you get married, your eczema is gonna clean up, clear up? No, it's not. It's just another like, I don't I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it's not all that they're talking, they're acting like, as soon as I get married, my life is gonna be complete. And it's not just the women, because women sometimes do this because they've been socialized to do it, but it's men too on these shows. They're like, I'm just looking for a partner. And if I could just find a partner, everything will be fine in my life. I would lose 20 pounds. I could drive fast on the highway. And like, I'm like, guys, it is the most, like even Married at First Sight, which every year I'm like, I fucking hate this show. But I kind of limp along because my mom watches it and she will force me to watch it. And when I went home for vacation, she definitely forced me to fucking watch it. Uh, by the way, she thinks Alyssa is homeless. She thinks she wanted to get in that apartment because she didn't have nowhere to go. <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, I don't know if that's true. She's like, look at those overalls. I'm like, those are like fashion overalls. Those are not homeless overalls. What, what kind of homeless people are you looking at to have overalls on? And she's like, I don't know, but she seemed homeless. Why else does she want to get in that apartment so much? I don't know. You know, my mom, with her theories. But I'm just like, I'm tired of it. It's so boring. And like, I really wanted to watch Love is Blind because I understand like everybody's talking about it. I'm reading all these great threads about it. Um, Naima's talking, like Naima's like really happy about it. I am, I listened to Kara's episode about it, which Kara's episode, great. That's all I needed. I cannot watch this fucking show because I not even get to, to get to the mess. And guys, I do a lot of shit to get to the mess. I let Bobby Brown read to me on an audiobook to get to the mess. I will I will swim through shit to get to the mess now. But 
I just couldn't do it. I was like, I cannot watch another show with people like, like, who you're fucking is the least important part of you. It's the least interesting part of you. There's like so much shit to do in this world. I guess I just want like some some shows that like deviate from this. There's just so many shows. And I know Love is Blind comes from the same producers as Married at First Sight. I understand that's why they're similar, but like, I just want something different. Like, have we thought about doing a show where people, where they get a bunch, like, I don't know, 20 rescue dogs, put them in a house, then they get 20 people looking for dogs who, who wanna like adopt a dog, and they get these experts, like you tell them which dog you choose based on like pictures and stuff like that, and like a short description. And then the experts like actually choose a dog for you and it's never the dog you chose for yourself. And then you have to live in the house for like, oh, a week, I guess, maybe two weeks with the dog to get to like, get to know them. And at the end, they like you and the dog have to choose each other. And I don't know how we get the dog to choose you, but we could figure something out. Like, like we could like, I don't know if you, I don't know, like, you put, like, uh, a stake on one side of the stage and you on the other side of the stage, and whichever way the dog goes, that's what they chose. I don't know. That sounds good to me. What about uh, find my new BFF? And that's where you go to a city, you take a bunch of applications, you match people up as best friends, and then they have to do a bunch of best friends activity for a month together, and uh they like and then like at the end we have to see if they choose each other to be best friends like you know that seems like a fun thing what about a show where where um it's like made except for adults right except like so we go to all so we the thing that you always wanted to be as a kid but never got to be like like you never like you're like i want to grow up to be a so-and-so and uh, you never got to do that. So what we'll do is we'll find a way for you to do that for like a month and see how you like it. No astronauts, guys. Too many astronauts. But like if you're like, I had always wanted to be a ballerina dancer. So we'll find a way for you to uh, like like practice. Um, I probably can't be for 30 days. But we'll to like uh, practice until you can join this adult ballet I guess all ballerinas are adults. Most ballerinas are adults. But like uh, this like show where you're doing, where you get to dance about a ballet in front of like all your friends and family and like an audience and stuff. That could be cool. That could be cool. Um, What if, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of shit that we haven't seen that we could see. And like, why do I know it? Maybe it's cheap, but like I literally do not care about couples anymore. I don't fucking care about it. <laughs> so, the whole reason I'm talking about this is that like in the past, I forced myself to watch shows because other people were talking about it or because I felt like I needed to watch it. I used to do this with books too. I'd be like, well, I bought the book, so I need to read it. Not anymore. I'm just like, if I'm not feeling it, I'm not fucking feeling it, I'm not going to finish it. And that's it. And I got more things to do. There is so much fucking content for me to consume. I've actually been listening to my old podcast because because I've been watching Mob Wives and I re I re listened to my maybe it's like is it last seasons of By Pumpkins Mob Wives and bitch I'm funny <laughs> I'm funny 
no, I, I've been enjoying it. I mean, I definitely repeat myself over and over again, but what are we going to do? <laughs> so, so, but there's so much content to consume. There's old shows I need to watch. I need to be watching Bob Newhart more often. I, there's new shit to watch. There's something called, is it called Nevermore? It's on HBO. It looks good. I'm loving Gilded Age. I'm like, there's so, the Righteous Gemstones was lovely this year. I will say this. When that baby got in the toilet, I was like, I will take a lot of shit from you guys, but you're not going to put a baby in the toilet and yank out his by the umbilical cord. Also, why is she all the way over there? Did she cut the umbilical cord? Why is the mother who gave birth in the toilet all the way over there? Where is the umbilical cord? And you're not just going to yank a, a baby out of the toilet. On a Don't do that to me. Don't do that. Like everything else I would have taken. I took all the rest of the shit, but not this, not this. <laughs> but, um... There's, there's shit there's 911 episodes I haven't seen like there is so much fucking content out here that like we should not be watching shit we don't want to watch and so like I know people say they feel peer pressure to talk about to watch euphoria because um it's so exciting to like 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 on like people talk about it nonstop on Twitter and um I get it uh, but one of the nice things about a show, uh, I think it's like the most tweeted episode or it's like HBO says it's the most, it's the most viewed, it's the second most, uh, it's the second most viewed popular show ever on HBO. I don't know. HBO makes up their fucking numbers. HBO like Netflix just tells you whatever the fuck they want. They don't publish numbers. So they'll just be like, people really love our original content. And you're like, okay, so what are the numbers? You're like, mm, no, can't tell you. And so, so I, but I believe them. I'm like, I could believe them. It's fine. It's just a really popular show. And for people that haven't watched it and want to watch it, I will say this. It is like watching, it's like eating a mouthful of like, uh, Sour Patch Kids. It, there's a lot of, it, it's, it's an intense show. And there's a lot of stuff done for shock value or for torture porn value. There's a lot of stuff done like that. Um, sometimes it's like watching Saw, you know? Like they're like, yeah, and now we're gonna throw you in a bed full of needles for no reason. Like it, it can be like that. And so I would suggest you don't binge it. I would suggest you, if you if you haven't seen it, like you should watch a couple of episodes and then watch a couple of episodes like that. Don't, don't spend all day watching Euphoria because it's tough. Um, I've talked about this at the beginning of, I don't remember what episode. As I'm watching, old, as I'm going back to old episodes of mine from this podcast, I'll be like, girl, I just spent like 30 minutes talking about the Golden Girls for no reason at the top of this fucking episode. <laughs> Why? <laughs> but at the top of some episode, I talked about Euphoria. It must have been a couple weeks ago. And like, I didn't like it at first. The first couple of episodes I didn't like, mostly because... And this happens to me with other things. I didn't like the discourse around it. When what was the name of that shit? Um, whatever the hotel in Hawaii. And Sydney Sweeney was in that too. Um, something Lotus, White Lotus, White Lotus. The discourse around White Lotus was worse than the show. And if I had not found the discourse first, I think I would have liked the show better because you just get a lot of tweets and a lot of like articles about things and you're and then you go and watch it and you're like this is not what you said it was in fact Liz tweeted something and she might have said it on her podcast too but she, the, I saw it in the tweet she said something like she just wants new shows but she 
has to find them herself and she you can't tell her about them because if you tell her you like a show like it's just hard like you have to find them organically and she's right that's exactly right when I want to watch something new I'm like I don't even like to talk about it because people will suggest stuff to me and I'll be like no no not that not that not that and then someone will be like this is really good and then you look at it and you're like I don't know if it's good and that's why I've, you know, I'm not, I'm not the best at it, but I'm trying to shy away from think, calling things good and just telling, talking about how I vibe with it because that's the truth is do you vibe with this? Um, but Twitter can be like an echo chamber. Like I love Twitter guys. Twitter's my first love. Uh, not Facebook. I don't even like, I still don't understand Instagram. I'm so tired of looking at people. How many, how many times do I have to see your fucking face? How many times do I have to see a video of you doing something? Or a video of you seeing something? I'm so fucking tired of Instagram. I fucking hate it. And like, you know, Reddit's the internet, so it scares me. And uh, so I've come to terms with TikTok. I don't like it. I, I'm not gonna like it. I, I just, it's too much bad stuff to get to good stuff and I'm embarrassed for some of the people on there that's that's it I saw a TikTok where this woman was like when your crush is Jace Momoa and you marry someone looks just like him and she's like doing that and then a man comes into the frame that's her her uh husband and she thinks it's like Jason Momoa and I was like somebody talk delete this delete this is embarrassing it's too embarrassing guys I I I don't like it. <laughs> so I'm not, I don't do anything with it unless I'm looking for something specific. And it's mostly like cleaning and organization stuff or like befores and afters of things I want to get done. But other than that, I don't open the fucking app. I, I, I don't like it. I, I, it, it doesn't make me happy. Um, and I'm like, so many bad things are happening all the time, every day that like, I just got to stick with what makes me fucking happy while I'm still here, you know? And stop, like, trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Maybe something else will happen that will really make me, like, I think they, they expanded it to 10 minutes each, but I'm like, I don't know, 10 minutes of nonsense? I don't know if I want that. And whatever. But, like, Twitter's my first love because all I want to do is fucking talk. And I love being able to, like, drill down into stuff and find threads and things like that. And I, I love Twitter, but Twitter discourse kind of sucks. And what happens is like sometimes like one or two people, non-motherfucking factors says something and then everyone has to rush to like contradict them. So then they overcorrect and like, there's a lot of things that are like, well, this wasn't even a thing. I don't know why you have to like protect against this thing that didn't even really happen. Um... In particular with Euphoria, like I, I, I don't think I watched the first episode at first, but there's a lot of discourse around it, and it's basically like this is what it's like to be a teenager now, and and if you don't want to watch hardcore porn on Sunday night, then that's because you're old and you don't I'm like what, <laughs> and I just it's not <laughs> I first of all I I hate. When grown fucking adults, who it's always grown adults writing fictional TV shows to tell you what teenagers want to think. And I'm like, I don't know, man. And in terms of realistic realism, 
because the show was touted as this is what Gen Z's doing. <laughs> uh, when I got to it, I was like, this is like incredibly unrealistic. Like this requires a lot of stuff. This is Pretty Little Liars unrealistic. And at least I knew what I was getting into with that. Again, I've been thinking about rewatching Pretty Little Liars, which means I need to talk to my psychiatrist because I'm in a bad place. All I want to do is scream when I watch Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> this is bad. None of this would ever happen. <laughs> so these are plot holes, plot holes, plot holes. You're just like right by the seat of your fucking pants. This is exactly when the when the first showrunner left Gilmore Girls, and then you're just writing shit. This is this this is not possible. So, um, but like so when I first started watching it, I really disliked the discourse around it, and so that made it a tough watch for me. And um, it's already like it's meant to be intense. It's meant to like be like shocky and stuff like that. But like I said about Euphoria, like I've said this before, I'll say it one more time. Uh, maybe I'll say it a few more times. But it is, it is absolutely some people's reality. But it doesn't mean it's everyone's. And also I reject the idea that like the stuff that's happening in this show is um, based on like, is, is based on like what the new generation's doing because all the it's just a lot of drug use and sex and like why is that new? When when did you why is that new? And teenagers it's not new at all. And and so like I, I just feel like these people haven't watched enough lifetime movies because I have and as far as I knew this was always happening. But once I could step away from I mean the only thing I really read about Euphoria is A V Club. But they've They've declined to write as of as of now. I don't. I haven't checked back. They've declined. They've declined to write any more reviews, and that might be because of writer stuff. But uh, they put the nail on the head, and I think other people have realized this too. That this season wasn't good, and it's not that it. It's not that you wasn't enjoyable, and again, that word good, but it needed some help. Um, I forget the name of the guy. Let me. You just is gonna kill me. So let me like. Let me pause. Back. Sam Levinson is the creator, showrunner, writer. He has no writer's room. Director. Um, I think he does craft services too. He he does all of it. Um, he's doing hair and makeup on that set, like like Brittany Murphy's husband, like right before she died. He's showing up the movies, going, "I'm the makeup artist," and then just like slathering shit on her face and shit. Actually, for his makeup is really good. Um, it's it's creative and then it's good. not realistic it's creative um but he does everything and it's obvious he does everything and i am like i know that not everyone does this but i i know especially like my understanding is like british tv they don't really have a lot of writers rooms and stuff but i'm of the mind that you probably need a writers room sam needs a writer room tyler perry definitely needs a writers room Whoever's writing Secession needs a writer room, a writer's room. I think they actually did have one, but I like you. The reason, and if you see an episode of TV and it says written by, it doesn't mean there's no and it's one person there. It doesn't mean there's no writers room. It just means like they get the but like they are they're the person who wrote the majority of it. Uh, pieces may be written by other writers. People things have been bounced off, but you really need someone to bounce ideas off of. 
it's like um, writing a book, self-publishing it, and like no editors, no uh, no uh, like beta readers, no you spoke to no one about it. And what happens though is, is like when you get deep into some work that you're that you're putting together, it can be really hard to see your blind spots. And things happen like a really scary drug dealer villain just disappears by the end of the show. Like stuff like that. Like like someone doesn't go, hey, you know, you never talked about this again. Like you need this feedback. Like good, good writing, good creative process needs criticism. And constructive criticism doesn't come from just anybody. It's from people you trust, people you respect, people who want to see you fucking win. That doesn't mean everybody's opinion is valid, but having a writer's room is helpful. And it does, and like, I understand like why people do shit like this. Tyler Perry does it to save money. Uh, that's why he has so much money. And control, right? It's control. And and you want things the way you want to. That's why Sam is writing, directing, uh doing wardrobe <laughs> but, but you still can have control but you need somebody else in the room you really do because especially if you have a creative vision you can get tunnel vision and you really need someone to just be like let's tweak this or you know what this doesn't make sense could you explain this to me and as you as you're like explaining it you're like shit I didn't write any of that in there let me go back apparently he's also So because he's doing unconventional writing, he is like rewriting shit on set, which is leading to like, and he's not having a shot list. He's not, he's not, which is the, the, the shots you want to get as a director. Like, as like, you know what this, I need to see this. I need to see that. And it's not that you can't deviate from that, but like not even having one, not even trying to have one is like, so it's leading to really long uh, days on set. Like 17 hours is a long time. And also, so the the material is dark, right? It's all dark. And like, there's a lot of emotional places you have to go to like do this, to like make this type of show. And, and then not only that, then you're doing 17 hours. I think uh, Maude Apatow, which it's incredibly funny. People don't know that's Judd Apatow and Leslie Mann's daughter. Uh... I don't know how, but okay, cool. Judd Apatow used to be everywhere. I guess he, did he take a break? I don't know, but why don't you know that? that anyway, Maude talked about the first episode where they did that New Year's party. Um, they shot that over four days all night, like from dusk to dawn for fucking four days. And that's grueling. Like, that's the type of shit that breaks you down. Um... And it's just not a great set for people. I also wonder about, um, like, some of them are like, it's, it's wonderful, it's great, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, you, you have to say that. Like, if you get on, like, if you uh, fucking do, what the fuck is her name? Listen, if you go Catherine Heigl on this shit, like, it's possible you may not, you may not work. And people want to work. Like, it's, it's only, you're only as good as your last, as your last, project you're only as good as the relationships you have so if you get on like twitter and just tweet a lot about how about how much you hate sam i mean you're gonna be you're not gonna you're you're gonna get written out of the show 
and people are going to call you difficult, which is kind of the worst thing you'd be called. Is difficult, although, like, when someone says someone's difficult, I always think to myself, how difficult? Like, I always want to know what you're talking about. Because if difficult means I just didn't do what you wanted me to do, well, then fucking call me difficult. Um, that's kind of like uh, Barbie Ferreira is, uh, she plays Cat, which is, like, one of people's favorite characters, guys. Uh, last season, she had, like, this great, this great uh, arc where she had kind of, she lost her virginity. I don't want to say lost her virginity because that makes it sound like she couldn't find it. She had had sex for the first time and someone had recorded it and like put it around the school. And um, it kind of like triggered her into, she'd already, she was already a really online girl like on Tumblr and stuff. And it, Barbie Ferreira is, I guess she is from Tumblr. I've been looking at old stuff of her. I guess she used to be a lot thinner and it's possible she was doing that. Um, I don't know if it's true, but people have said that she had an eating disorder back then. But I had never seen her say it, so I don't know if that's true. That could just be speculation. And she she is very beautiful. I mean, she's fucking beautiful now. She's beautiful then. I'm pretty sure um, there's some inward controversy with her. Uh, I don't know much about it. I don't want to Google it, but... I, I don't know anything about that. That could be, that could just be a rumor too. But, um, she just like, she just got like a lot of like, um, she got such, such a lot of screen time last year. And this year she didn't get any screen time or very little. And it's because Sam, this is based on reports from the set. So this could be bullshit too. Sam wanted her to have, like, Kat's character to have, like, an eating disorder. And I think that's where the idea that Barbie used to have one came from. And she didn't want to do that. And they got in an argument. She left the set multiple times. Uh, and he kind of basically wrote her out of the show. Like, she's there in scenes, but she's not doing anything. She's just, like, touching people's backs and going, it's not worth it, and shit like that. And, and she had, like, a huge... She had a huge arc last year and like when you have one person, I mean, this could have happened regardless because he's the showrunner, but I just feel like part of that is just trying to be in control and trying to have all the stuff and, it, and, and, and stuff like this happens. I want to talk about like, I should have started off with the stuff I really like about this season. Let me do that. Um... Even though I do not believe overall the season was cohesive or I, I think it could have been a lot better. But what I liked about the season, I love um, Zendaya's uh, acting. She, she did a really good job. That's that that episode where um, her mother has found her drugs and flushed them down the toilet. I don't know why. There, there was a whole fucking suitcase full of pills. How long did it take you to flush it down the toilet? Also, have you never heard the Ten Crack Commandments? Like, do you not know? That, like, I, I think I'd just be aware that, the, like, this, like, we've never seen uh, Rue, Ruby Bennett, um, make any money doing anything. And, like, if she just had, like, a whole thing of fucking, of, 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 um, uh, drugs i would be like you must owe somebody a lot of money or so how did you get this but they flush it down the toilet and so she's arguing and like i think zendaya is really good in those scenes um and she's like going at it with her mom and stuff like at one point she breaks down the door and i don't think that was on purpose i think that wasn't in the script i think she broke the fucking door it looked like she looked 
I don't know. Either she's a really great actress or she broke the door on fucking on a on accident. And she's like, give me the pills, give me the pills, give me the pills. Where are the pills, mom? Where are the pills, mom? And then you hear Jules's voice go, we flushed them. And bitch, I gasped. I didn't know Jules was in the house. I didn't know Elliot was in the house. But um, I think I actually really like the character of Rue. I think that it's a very true character. I think she's fun. I think she's funny. I think uh she's a great narrator i don't necessarily like the things where they do where they go off and like she's dancing and like stuff like that uh she's doing like i guess daydreams or whatever i don't really like that i don't but i think almost everything about her character is really good and even that conversation that she had with her mother where her mother's basically like lots of things are going on with your little sister gia lots of things and you know i have two daughters and if I have to, if I have to lose you to save Gia, I will. You're going to be 18 soon. You're going to, I can't even like, she doesn't take, to be honest, she don't, she, she doesn't uh, control her now. Like, she's like, I can't control what you do. You don't control what she does now. You have a daughter who OD'd at your house and went to rehab and your ass, uh, she leaves at all hours of the day and night and is gone. And she's climbing out of a window. Why does she still have access to that window? Where's your alarm system? And I understand that the, the, the set, unless we're talking about the Jacobs, everybody else's house looks like they're living at their grandma's house. I get, I, I mean, I get that. I don't know why that is, but that's, I get that. But like, your daughter's a pill addict. And she can still get in and out that, that you don't, you don't go and check and see if her ass is home. You don't go and check. You, how could you possibly not do that? I like Rue's mom is really written in a way that like, I don't recognize or understand. Um, when I was growing up, we were never allowed to bring anything to the house my mom didn't know about. Like if you had an object in the house, my mom would be like, what is that? And if you didn't say what it was, like it was a fucking problem. And so Rue walking through, and my mom's like nosy as fuck. Uh, I like I, I got really upset with her. I was probably like 16. And I, cause she's nosy and she always wanted to know everything. And so I brought a box home and I like floor, like with flourish brought this box home and she asked me what it was in it. And I told her I wasn't going to tell her. It was none of her business. And she was like, you're going to tell me. I was like, I'm not. And you better not look at it either because I need privacy. And then I went around telling everyone in the house what was in the box except her. Like I made sure she could see me like tell you what was in the box. Nothing was in the fucking box, guys. It was just the box. Then, <laughs> then I put the box in a place like kind of in the, in the, not in the open, but like in a common area of the house. And then like hid behind some furniture so I could catch her trying to look in the box. And then when she tried to look at the box, I jumped from behind the furniture and screamed for no reason. <laughs> like I'm a petty, petty person. <laughs> Basically she about, she about shit herself and there was nothing in the box the whole fucking time. And so, <laughs> but like if I had been to rehab and I had all these issues and shit happening, and 
I just showed up with a suitcase. I would be like, what the fuck is in that suitcase? And I'm you just can't bring a suitcase to your room. I also, when it comes to Rue, I don't understand that whole storyline was weird, right? Where uh, Fez is now working with Lori. Lori is the um, scary ass drug dealer of my dreams. Like that bitch haunts my fucking nightmares. She's got a flat affect and she's just like, hi guys, I'm gonna sell you to some really mean people. Like she knew that girl's name and like, so she, what she's doing, what Rue has done is she's she's gotten $5,000 or was it 10? I feel like it was five. $5,000 worth of product from this big scary drug dealer. I do not know why. I would front anyone, a child, $5,000. And I understand that the, the idea is that like, we're, you know, students and we can, and we can sell. And then like, we can get charged as, as juveniles. I hope you get charged as juveniles. I really fucking hope you get charged as juveniles. Cause these bitches out here charge people as adults sometimes, but okay. Okay. And, and we won't have, and then we won't have to do any time. So there's no need to rat. We'll just be done when we're 18. Okay. But she still doesn't know you. And also she knows you're an addict. And like. Why would anybody front product to someone who showed up as like an addict? At the, like so Lori does business with with uh, Fez. Played by a guy named Angus McCloud. I think his name is Connor. But anyway he goes by Angus. Um, and he. Angus McCloud's a better name. Or Angus Cloud is a better name. Um, so, in the first episode, Fez and Ashtray are driving to do, to try to like, get a new connect because, cause fucking Ashtray killed the other connect, right? So, they're going and they have Rue with them for some reason who is high and singing Tupac and I don't know. She over there doing a cha-cha slide and they're going to commit crimes. And like Ashtray has to be like, you have to tell her to stop. So they so they stay in the car. Fez goes in, but uh, they have to go in because I guess, is it, is it her husband with the guns and stuff that's like drags him out the car and shit and does all this stuff. Liz, I heard this from Liz. Liz says that the girl who plays Faye is from a porn version of Euphoria and that Sam like saw it and brought her onto the show. Makes sense. I don't know where else you work with lips like that. You know what I mean? Uh, you either, you're either in reality TV or porn. There, there are no other jobs for you. Um, but like Rue's in the car with Faye and she's like shooting up in her pussy. I and like then they drag them all in the house and they act all wild and scream and then they dance to a song while they make them take off their clothes. And if you notice, Zendaya didn't take off her clothes. Zendaya's an executive producer. I bet her contract says she don't have to do shit like that. Everybody else is naked for no reason. That's another thing about Euphoria. People are naked for no reason. And it's like it's like when you first start cussing, like when you first can cuss and like nobody will tell you to stop, and you cuss all the time. Even when you don't need to cuss, you'll be like, give me that motherfucking pancake, babe. <laughs> like, where's my bitch ass deodorant? <laughs> like, that's, 
And it's and and you're like, okay, you eventually slow down. And if that's what it feels, euphoria feels that way. Um, people are making a lot for the fuck of it, and I'm not opposed to the nudity. That's fine. Like, I like to see naked people. In fact, whenever I first meet anybody, I envision them naked. That's just what happens. Not children. I'm not a perv. But like adults, first time I do, first time I meet you, I envision you naked. That's it. Maybe you don't want to meet me now. Sounds fine. But that's what I do. I've done it all my life. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what this person looks like naked. Harry, okay, that's fine. But so like nudity doesn't bother me at all. But like sometimes because it feels so like we didn't know what to do with this scene. So let's just have everybody naked. It's, it's, it's weird. It's real fucking weird. And Sydney Sweeney is naked a lot. We've seen so much of our fucking tits in the first two seasons. And I'm fine with it. She has great tits. The the sex scenes and the nudity is difficult a lot of times because these people are playing children. And some of these people are 18, some of them are 17 or 16. It, it's difficult for me to be looking at them in graphic sexual situations depicting a minor. And I'm not saying you're a bad person if you can look at that. I'm that, That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I don't want, like, that's that's hard for me, especially the first season when Jules is like out here picking up trade on the fucking apps and like having graphic. Um, I don't I wouldn't even call it rough sex. I, I think it will. I don't know how to describe it. It's graphic. Uh, hardcore sex with an adult. And like, that's hard to watch because my, even though I know these are actors and they're all adults, my brain is like, this is, this is wrong. So the sex scenes can be hard to look at sometimes. But in particular for Sydney Sweeney, who plays Cassie, she's naked so much because she's over-sexualized, her character is over-sexualized. And I want to make sure, not I don't want to make sure, I wonder if Sydney Sweeney actually wants to be naked that much. And I've seen interviews where she's like, you know, I can talk to Sam and be, and I'll be like, it doesn't make sense for her to be topless right now. And then I'm not topless. Okay. But I've seen interviews like this before in the past where someone will be like, the set was great. Everything I did, I was doing everything I wanted. And then like 20 years later, we get a book where the director spit in their face and threatened they'd never work in Hollywood again if they wouldn't take off their if they wouldn't show their pussy right now. Like, I don't, I don't. So as far as I know, let me be clear, as far as I know, Sydney Sweeney is being treated well on the set and uh, enjoys the work and believes in the work and feels great about everything that's happened is being well taken care of on the set. That's as far as I know. But there's a thing in the back of my mind, I'm like, I really hope like we're not gonna find out that like so many many years from now that like this show that we all watched and really enjoyed was actually the set of where someone was like being harmed um i i just that i just worry about stuff like that and some i saw on twitter someone was like no she wouldn't be doing that because zendaya is executive producer let me start off now you don't know who the fuck zendaya is you have no idea she looks great on red carpets um 
I think she's dating Tom Holland. Maybe, maybe not. That might be like a PR relationship. But they aren't they living together? See, when people have PR relationships and then they start living together and getting married and having a baby, I think the PR relationship is over. I think at this point you're actually in a relationship. But whatever. I don't. I don't know anything about that. They seem there. I I enjoy the content. It's fine. Uh, whether it's fake or not, or whether it started fake and got real, I don't fucking know. I don't care either. Um, when are we going to get a Back to the Future remake with fucking Tom Holland? He's giving mad Marty McFly energy at all times. Like, what, when are we going to get that? So, um, someone was like, uh, like uh, Zendaya wouldn't let that happen. Dude, you don't know Zendaya. You have no idea what Zendaya would or wouldn't do. And also, like, being executive producer is like a perk of stars often get. It doesn't mean, and, it, and sure, they might get more input than anybody else. But, like, when you see, like, a person that stars in, in, an, in a show or a movie listed as executive producer, that can mean anything, dude. It can mean that they were, like, really hands-on with, like, the concepts and the visions and all that. It could mean that they like that. Like when we watched that documentary where it was, uh, and just like that, that documentary that was like Sarah Jessica, Sarah Jessica Parker is on the set, like being like Carrie's room wouldn't be like, like redesigning things. And like, like it's possible they could be doing that or so they could have just gotten it because they really wanted this, this person to work on it. It's like, I'm going to pay you this amount of money. You get this on the back end. You get, you'll get to do this. Yes. We'll shoot around your schedule for so-and-so and we'll give you an executive producer credit. It could be that like, you don't know what her, I, I don't know what to say about that. As people are so naive sometimes on Twitter or on the internet. I'm like, what, do you, what do you look at? What are you 10? Is this what I'm looking at? Right to me with a 10 year old. Um, so I'm lost now. I was talking about the nudity. The nudity is often sometimes for shock value rather than story value, which I don't enjoy. Um, and I wonder about the actors to have to do stuff like that. Like, um, it's interesting. I'm looking at, uh, Sydney Sweeney's whole colon and I don't think I've seen Nate's dick. I don't think I've seen his dick. I definitely haven't seen Zendaya in the first episode when she's supposed to get naked. The person runs in there and throws her in the shower and takes off and, and like pulls down her pants and lifts up her shirt. And I'm like, why would they do that? Why? I think they said something like pretend like you're taking a shower or something, but they would. That's not how it would go. I mean, also, I would assume that the, the crazed drug dealer would also not be dancing to oldies while while threatening me with the Uzi. I, I would assume so. <laughs> but whatever. Um, but in the first episode, Fez is getting to know this drug dealer, Lori. Not, not Rue. And she even asked, why would he bring a kid with him? She's talking about Ashtray. I'll talk about Ashtray in a minute here. Why would he bring, uh, uh, did she call her an addict or she call her a junkie? I don't know, but she implied that like, bitch, we know she's here to do the, to do the drugs. <laughs> and he said, that's family. So sure. Okay, cool. But Dude, so Lori already knows that. So why would she even do this? It doesn't make any sense. Then it seems like Rue didn't sell anything, right? Rue just did the drugs. 
Then her mother flushed him down the toilet. Then she's running all day and night. I mean, she's going through withdrawal. Um, I mean, they had her out here running like running like the fucking road runner in that episode. She was in the street. She was getting hit by cars and shit. She was in a trash can, popping out and stuff. And while it being a stressful episode is real, like I feel like when you're when you are in that space, it is incredibly stressful. Like a lot of that other stuff, I was like, Zendaya Rue, she is not a uh, a career criminal. Like y'all acting like she a master of disguise and shit. And she know what to do. She's just a dumb kid. Like, what are you talking about? Um. So she ends up at Lori's, back at Lori's house, and then she's all fucked up. She's going through withdrawal. That's another thing. Like I can't imagine. Maybe at the beginning when she was doing all most of the running, she was not in like heavy withdrawal, and towards the end when she's limping and she's like. I don't know. She she seems she seems like a stray dog in the episode. She seems like a stray dog, just running from place to place, getting hit by cars, eating trash, sleeping on the street. She's just like a stray dog. So she goes over to Lori's house. She's obviously in withdrawal. She's stolen some things, um, and she's trying to give it to Lori. And Lori's like, "That's not how much you owe me." I also, when was she supposed to pay her today? If she wasn't supposed to pay her today, why did you go over Lori's house? You could have figured out another way. You could have gotten some more money from somewhere. Anyway, she maybe she went over there because she knew she could get drugs there. That's that's why she went over there. Okay, great. She goes over there and she says to Lori, you know, can I get some pills? Do you have some pills? And Lori lies and says she doesn't, um, which took me a moment to realize that she was lying. And shoots her with morphine. And like puts her in the bathtub, shoots her with morphine. And... I guess she shot her once, but the eagle-eyed viewers on Twitter said that there were like four or five, like, um, she had, she, like when she went to sleep, she had two track marks and she had like four or five when she woke up. And so there were a lot of theories about how she was going to, um, get Rue hooked on morphine or knock her out and then like sell her to people. Um, I don't know. Uh, Sam won't fucking tell us, and Sam won't write it. Won't write better, so we can find out. And then there are people that are like, she was there for like ten days. She wasn't. Her mother was wearing the same clothes when she got home that night. Uh. So she escapes from there. Like she hears someone like locked in a closet. And keep in mind, Lori definitely said, "I will sell you to some really bad people if you fuck me over." And like. That's incredibly believable. Incredibly believable. People get into um, sex slavery. Uh, and there are better words to say this. I, but that's that's what I'm going to call it. Sex slavery. When you can't leave. You're forced into sex work. Um, you are being sexually assaulted over and over again. People get into that because they have hardcore drug addictions. Uh, people get into that because they owe people money. And then somebody was like, oh, she stayed at... Um, Lori's house for like 10 days and that's how she paid her back the $10,000. What the fuck? Do you think people forced into sex work as slaves make a thousand dollars a day? Are you crazy? Do you think... And they're like, oh, so she, the debt's already paid. This is what I mean. When you underwrite like this, it makes other people have to write for you. And this is bad. So like, like there's no fucking way. People forced into sex work and kept as slaves to do stuff like that and like held captive. 
they barely pay you at all. They barely take money off your debt at all. In fact, they will never let you go. Never. There's no way she stayed at Lori's house for 10 days and sucked enough dick for $1,000 and fucked and... <sighs> go watch Requiem for a Dream, another movie that really left me speechless. But, like, go watch some... Go, go watch some action... Get out of here with that! <laughs> I blame you, Sam, because you like people that have to, like, make up shit. So, anyway, by the end of the season... Uh, Rue is sober-ish. Everyone says she's sober at that play. And as she leaves, it was very like, um, I don't know, Parker Lewis can't lose. She's like, I stayed clean for the rest of the year. And then we made friends. And and maybe sobriety was the friends we made along the way. Like, she, it was, I was like, what is this? And no mention of Lori and the drugs and whatever. And everybody's like, you know, it's going to be for season three. It's going to be for season three. But like a season of television should be an arc, right? And you do have to tie in some loose ends and you don't have to like button them all up perfectly. And you should leave some things for us to be looking forward to. But you, but you can't just drop the scary villain three episodes from the end. You can't really do that. Um, and also, if you think about this season, if we removed every scene that had Lori in it, the season would still be comparable, right? We didn't need it. It didn't make any sense. It feels like someone got really excited to write that and like really wanted that character in because the character is great. If this character had been moved to like a Breaking Bad or something like that and had, and was like really important throughout the rest, great character. Um, but ultimately bloat for the season. That so I have so as much as I love Ruby Bennett and I love her storylines and I love all that stuff. Great, like that part. I was like, you could just take that out and you could have written more scenes for Cat and you could have written more scenes for um, who's the other one? Not the not the vape girl because she's a racist. Uh, look it up, <laughs> but um. You could have written more scenes for other people. You could have fleshed out more things if you'd taken that, those bits out. Um, that, that episode where she's run away and she's like out all night and chased from the cops and breaking in here and doing all these other things could have just as easily ended with her um, also finding some sort of danger and deciding to go home but not having to be Lori. So I want to talk about Rue and Jules, which the ep which this season really just like the first season was all about Rue and Jules, which I really enjoyed. Them these two queer women falling in love. Uh, Rue's trans, for those who don't know, and if you if you watched um, if you watched the they had two like episodes. First, these seasons take too long to make, but and COVID didn't help, but. They had two episodes in between. One was Rue talking to Ali, Ali, her sponsor, who I actually really like, even though he's a super flawed character. I just really enjoy him. Um, I think Sam enjoys him too because sometimes he's on screen too much and like this doesn't move forward the story. This does not move forward the story. And yet we're here with Ali for large periods of time. But um, Rue eating dinner, eating like at a diner with Ali and then... Uh, Jules, her dad, or like some do Jules, and I really enjoyed 
how they brought Jules into the fold. Jules is, I mean, again, that the first thing we see with Jules is that Jules is just out here like slutting it up. And I'm saying that because that's what Ruth said in the second season. She's like, she's just a real big slut. <laughs> and they, they take it as a compliment. So it's not like an insult or anything like that. Um, at least I mean it as a compliment. But like, Jules is out in these streets. Jules is like on apps and stuff, meeting, trade, meeting. And like trade is supposed to mean, well, when I was growing up, trade meant like um, down low. Uh, like we're going we gonna to see each other. Like we're not in a relationship. We're going to be fucking. Uh, usually a really masked man uh, in sexual entanglements with uh, gay men usually effeminate gay men uh because they wouldn't want to be seen with them like 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 uh exactly all what download would mean to you but i know now that people use trade more as like um you know as like the hoes you know out in these streets type stuff but in jules's case jules is meeting tons of people on the internet and like going off to fuck them which I did not find unrealistic to be completely honest. I actually know some people who were doing stuff like that at like 14 and stuff. And what, there wasn't apps and stuff, but they were like, and these were mostly gay men um, who were coming into their sexuality, but also like not, not everybody gets a love Victor or whatever that, that movie was where um, there's just out gay guy at school. And so like, not everybody has that experience. And where the only places they could find, like, they could explore their sexuality and do some of the same stuff people with heteronormative relationships were doing was, like, being with older men and uh, sometimes, like, kind of wandering into sex work. Uh, Monet Exchange talks about this all the time. Monet Exchange was out in these streets at, like, fucking 14 years old. Uh, Meeting men on wherever she could and, like... Uh, like beating them up and fucking them and shit and like she really was like so the jewel stuff is not unrealistic to me what what I liked about the jewels and Rue stuff is that they just kind of fell in love and there was no hey guys I'm a lesbian hey guys I'm a trans girl there was none of this exposition and I was like that's that's written really well because I had to realize Jules was trans and and then when they were doing their backstories like in the first season they did a lot of like backstories for all the characters which I really enjoyed um I already knew by the time we got to Jules's backstory but I had to realize Jules was trans trans and I no one ever announced to me that Rue was queer no one ever did Rue's at least bi but maybe pan I but either lesbian pan bi whatever but I really like enjoyed that I didn't know where this was going until it got there. That was really nice. Um, but this season, we lost all that because Rue and Jules are are separated and they kind of see each other at New Year's. And like Jules is really upset about Rue's drug use, which I, honestly, I completely understand. But when they see each other at New Year's, Rue is just like, oh, I'm just, um, just smoking weed i also want to bring something up rue looks like she's been dead three days the entire fucking season and everyone's like she's doing so good 
She's sober. She hasn't combed her hair in forever. There are scenes in which Zendaya's hair is just like all over the place. Her eyes are half lit. She's, you never know what the fuck. Why does nobody notice this? Why? But anyway, um, they're really kept apart and they, they're back together and apart, back together and apart. And what this year they did was they put Elliot into this love triangles ruined jewels. And a lot of people found offensive this because it was such a lovely queer, like romantic story in season one. And now you've put this cis uh, male into it for what? For fun? And I didn't so much mind Elliot in there. I didn't, I actually was not upset when... Elliot was uh, having, was sleeping with Jules. Um, I guess they were like, they're kind of fucking and everything. They, I didn't mind the storyline where they're like, where he's talking to Rue and saying that, she, uh, Jules is saying that Rue is like asexual. Rue is asexual. Uh, she's, she's high as fuck all the time. Your sex drive sometimes goes when you're doing shit like that. Like she, you can't even go down on her. And like, but I, I wouldn't believe Rue and Jules had that much sex anyway. To be honest, Zendaya's character seems very asexual. Not, not androgynous. And she can look like that. She, like, Zendaya's the type of person that you can put in super femme clothes and it works and in then menswear and it works. And like, it all works. And so, like, Rue can be quite, like, androgynous. But that's not what I'm talking about. She seems asexual in all ways. And Jules, who's had lots of sex, uh, some of it not very, like, not very loving, not very, like, uh, Jules has been in a number of situations that I'm, like, terrified for her in. But... That seems real to me that you you guys are hanging out with this dude all the time and you and your girl are you know, you're not even really doing it. Um, it seems like Jules's love language is touch because that's how like someone who goes out and sleeps with that many people enjoys that physicality and, and feels good from stuff like that. And Rue's just not like that, you know? And so it makes sense that then Jewel sleeps with, starts sleeping with Elliot and makes out those scenes where she's making out with Elliot and they're like, they're like doing it while Zendaya go or Rue goes to the bathroom. I'm sorry, I keep switching between names, but that's just how I do things. Um, goes to the bathroom to like snort shit and Zendaya's doing stuff that Jules doesn't know about and Jules doing stuff that Zendaya doesn't know about. And they all involve Elliot. That I really like those scenes, right? Um, but people hate Elliot. People hate Jules. They're so mad at her. I mean, she did like I that scene where they go and steal beer. What was that for? What the fuck was that for? But you're sitting here saying, "Don't Jules." I mean, Rude, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Don't drink. You have to stay sober. But we're gonna go steal some beer. While you're in the car with us, what is Rue supposed to do? Just watch. When, when Rue said she hated Jules in that car, I was like, mm. 
Yeah, because that goes back to that special they have where she basically feels like Jules left her and Jules requires a lot of things of her and like Jules ruined her life in some ways. I was like, oh, that need to be said. But also, Rue, you realize Rue is high and drunk and you just leave her on the side of the road and then turn off your phone to go fuck Ellie. I think that's why people hate Jules. And Zendaya, Rue is the main character. He's the main character. So anybody in opposition to Rue, we don't like. Uh, I think Rue walking out of that auditorium at the end of the season with um, when Jules came over and said, I just want to tell you I love you. I interpret that as Rue basically being like, I'm not doing anything else with you. Like, it wasn't hostile. It was more like, I'm done with this. And so I'd be curious to see what the relationship is in season three. Uh, everyone hates Elliot. Uh, he did sing for eight hours in, in the season finale when there was so much to wrap up. And so then he sang a song. And I'm like, is Sam fucking him? I don't know Sam's sexual orientation. I don't care. But is Sam fucking that that guy who plays him? That he was like, ooh, you want your song in the, in the finale? And then they were going to release it on iTunes? Like, come on, man. This was that was unnecessary. Although I did like the scene where she basically apologized to him and accepted an apology. Where she they basically are good. Um, I also think it was really nice to hear not nice, but when Elliot was like, "I liked you better when you were a drug addict." I was like, "Yeah, a lot of people do like you better when you're a drug addict, <laughs> especially other addicts." <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know Elliot's one, but I know Elliot uses drugs and a lot of drugs, but that doesn't like. I don't necessarily call everyone who uses a lot of drugs an addict because it's not true. Um, some people have seasons and phases and stuff and you can do addictive behavior and not necessarily be an addict. It just depends. But yeah, a lot of people are going to like you better when you're using. A lot of people are going to. Um, and you're, you're going to be quite annoying when you stop to some people. So the other thing I want to talk about for this season is the Cassie and Nate stuff. Um, and Maddie stuff. Maddie, I like Maddie so much better this season. Last season, Maddie was dressed. They dressed Maddie in a way that is like my personality is showing you side boob and side butt. <laughs> and Maddie also, because Nate is a sociopath, um, I feel comfortable saying that. I'm not saying that lightly. Nate is a sociopath. Nate does so many terrible things throughout the course of these two seasons. And Maddie, like, being desperately in love with him, I'm like, okay, so something's wrong with you too, girl. And I, I just didn't like her that much in the first season. She gave, she gave off Mean Girl to me, and I don't like Mean Girls. Um, but in season two... She, her character is so much more fleshed out and I'm, I'm really enjoying her. I enjoyed uh, her conversations with Minka Kelly and even though I was like, we didn't need all this, there are other scenes we could have written. Minka Kelly, by the way, looks like a well-cared for a white woman to me. People think she is so beautiful and I'm not saying she isn't, but she looks like a woman I would see in the good Target at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. Like, I don't have to work. She'd be, that's, she's, she's like, I don't have to work. I spend what I want. And 
and she'd have like her hair in a ponytail and she'd be wearing athleisure because she just got out of a yoga class. She seems like a well-cared for white woman, which being well-cared for makes you attractive, right? You don't have to be a great beauty, but if you take care of yourself pretty well, you get you get a bump in attractiveness. Uh, that's what she looks like to me. I don't understand why people are like dying. They're like, she's so gorgeous. I mean, she is pretty. A lot of people are. But I, that's all I see in her, and that's my truth. Um, but Maddie's character came along so well this year, especially, like, I don't know. And so I had a lot of sympathy for her. And, you know, maybe what happened is that when Cassie started fucking Nate, I dislike that so much that I have to like Maddie. Because remember, as people, we often try to make, there's a good and a bad person in this situation. And so if that person's bad, then this person must be good. I found the attempted um, justification for Nate to be difficult, right? In season one, Nate did all these terrible things, really terrible things. Nate framed a guy for a rape in season one because he had sex with Maddie, who cheated on her all the time, by the way, who cheated on him all the time, and he cheated on her. But, dude, like, Nate blackmailed Jules into saying she'd go to jail for sending nudes of herself because it's child porn. And, like, I don't fucking know. I don't know. I think some places are doing that. They're, they're, you will have to be prosecuted for sending nudes of yourself, uh, even if you're the child. But I don't know, man. I really don't. I don't think... I guess Jules believes him because why wouldn't she? But I don't know, man. I don't know what's happening. Uh, I think I would have told anyway. I would have been like, uh, he tricked me into sending this stuff. And the other thing, can we... Jules' daddy and Rue's mama need to like go to some parenting classes. Why the fuck don't you know where Jules is? Jules is like riding her bike to, to dick appointments. What are you doing? And I think I think what is unsaid and should have been like, at least giving me breadcrumbs, I don't need exposition for it, but I, but I needed you to like show me that he's guilty, he feels guilty because uh, Jules was pre-transition, was like sent to a mental institution by her mother and like her father like didn't like, didn't like do anything about it and eventually like got her out and and like built this life with her and stuff and maybe a lot of stuff is done because he feels immense guilt for the beginning of her of her uh life um her mother too uh was an alcoholic um but still like 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 do you just not give a fuck about Jules at all (laughs) She's coming down in like a fishnet bodysuit and just like, bye dad, going off to the dance. <laughs> Look at her. Where is she going? It's two o'clock in the morning. She's got a book with her that says, uh, sex work for teenagers. <laughs> How to. <laughs> and you're just like, have a good time. Bye. <laughs> um, Not that I know that Jules is doing sex work. I think... Uh, I think all that sex Jules was having was for Jules. I don't necessarily know Jules was being paid. 
But anyway, Nate did a lot of stuff. He blackmailed a character we really like. He uh, framed somebody for a rape. He choked the fuck out of Maddie. And that was part of the reason he framed that person for, that person who had sex with her for a, a rape. Um, he's just a bad person. Like this season, he... he uh, plays Russian, he fake plays Russian roulette while laying on top of Maddie to get something from her. I was like, that's unnecessary. He, like, everything is unnecessary. In fact, he just runs around with a gun all the time. This last episode where he went to go find his dad and with that gun, I'm like, we didn't need this. It just feels like what happened is in the first season, Nate was a very popular character. Some people are really into Nate, even though he's obviously a terrible person. But you know, you can't tell you can't tell your no no parts who to like. I understand that. I mean, you can and you should. And there are many situations in which I will tell you to tell your no no parts who to like. But he came to a popular character. I think Sam wanted to like reinvent him in the season. It didn't work. We all hate him. He's horrible. The fact that there was no... Like, so the first episode of this season, Fez beats the fuck out of him. And everybody wanted that. And I think Sam wrote that because he had a lot of flack for the end of last season in which Nate just did all this wild stuff and, like, there were no repercussions for it at all. There was no... Like, it was just like... he. The end of the season was just like... Well, that's Nate. <laughs> like, you stupid. And I think he realized we all wanted something to happen to Nate. Some kind of something to happen to Nate. Not that that's realistic either. Bad, people do bad things all the time and nothing happens to them. But when we're watching our stories, we want to see something. But then he wanted to, like, kind of, like, you know, bring back Nate into the fold. I'm like, he's never coming. I don't care. I don't care that... Like, he saw the stuff his father was doing. Um, the So his father had sex with... His father's gay. Or maybe bi. I don't know. He still has sex with women, too. Uh, he has sex with women. But his father enjoys having sex with men, trans women. Uh, I don't think trans men. And women. Okay? And basically enjoys like paying people for sex or finding people on the, on the apps that'll come over and have sex real quick for some drugs, like stuff like that. And would tape them and then like save them, I guess relive them in his office at night. And Nate found it very early on. But, and like, we're supposed to believe that him finding this like disturbing, these, I'm, these videos are disturbing and like, a lot of them people seem to be children in them. Um, is supposed to be the reason he's so fucked up. And we're supposed to feel sympathy for him. I don't want to feel sympathy for him. You wrote this big bad villain of a fucking character in season one. And in season two you want to turn it on a dime. You need more episodes for that. You should. You have to focus more on Nate. But all we see is Nate fucking Cassie. And he's really into Cassie. And I understand Cassie's broken in exactly the right way. This, this second to last episode where, where she's like, you can tell me what to put in my body. You can tell me what to wear. I was like... This makes sense. Like, Cassie is, like, one of the most broadly drawn characters in the fucking show. Cassie, daddy left early. He got hooked on pills. He got hooked on pills. And then he got, um, 
And then he got hooked on heroin. And her mother's an alcoholic. Her father left the family, disappeared from her life. And the last time she saw him, he texted her from an unknown number in the middle of the night, got her to open up the fucking garage and steal a bunch of shit from her family. And he looked fucking terrible. And it's one of the wor- it's one of the hardest fucking scenes in the fucking show. It was really fucking hard for me to watch that. I felt so fucking bad for Cassie. Like, it is tough. Um, and so, like, Cassie wants to be loved really, really badly. And Cassie is over-sexualized, whether that's of her, from her own volition or from society or from understanding that, like, uh, doing a lot of sex, doing a lot of sex, who the fuck am I? Having, like, sexual relationships with these boys will make things, will make her very, like, would make her, um, love, feel loved. Um, and in the first season, one of the plot points is that Cassie wants to please these men and boys she has sex with so badly that she allows herself to be filmed and taken pictures of, of fucking like all the time. And so there's a lot of like, I don't know how old Cassie is. So I don't know if I want to call it child porn. I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to like, uh, whatever. It's a lot of sexual content of Cassie just out in the air on the internet. And she just feels like by the time she's like 25, it'll be gone. And they do kind of a montage of her, like, being kind of forced in, not forced, but kind of like pressured into do these things and, and, and she ends up doing them. And like Cassie's a really sad character. And so when people, this year, Cassie becomes, I think Cassie has the best character arc. And that last year she was a really sad character and like, I don't know, pathetic, but in the like the, in the actual definition of the way. And this year she's like, a really a character on the edge and she went from I think I'm gonna be single for a while she had an abortion at the end of last season I think I'm gonna be single for a while to I'm in love with Nate and I'm going to have sex I'm gonna be with him I'm gonna like but it tracked for me like something's wrong with Cassie guys and as we get to the end of the season where that play happens I'll get to the play Cassie becomes almost Joker-like. Almost like, uh, I'm gonna cut a smile into my face while everything's going down. Like, Cassie was scary. When she got on that stage, I would not have been shocked if she had a gun. Like, she, she, it was, it was a lot. Um, and the fight at the end when Maddie tells her, like Nate dumps her immediately because of the play. <laughs> Why? Um, and the fight at the end was with with Maddie, and she goes, you know, he's already broken up with me, and before I got on this stage, and Maddie's like, it's just the beginning. This is just the beginning, and like a lot of people interpret that as that she was gonna whoop Cassie's ass again. I think she meant with Nate because Nate is. A lot of stuff's happening. I really like the way uh, her name's Alexa something. Um, I really like the way she portrayed uh, Maddie. Even that part where she's like, 
just like little things like she's sitting in the chair. She's sitting at the play and she goes, not the part where she goes, this fucking play about us. That's funny. And there's a meme that says, this is what Diana Ross said when she saw Dream Girls. Super funny. But like, when she says, you're a cunt. And Cassie goes back from the stage, you're a cunt. And like the way Maddie holds her fingers like, no, you're a cunt, bitch. And like the writing of it, like that's how women that's how women that's how you yell at each other like it's not supposed to be pissy like you you just yell a bunch of words at each other it was so like that felt so good and then she's like this bitch needs to put down be put down and runs up there and like fights her <laughs> i was like get her maddie hit her for me get her again get her <laughs> um the other thing that like really like annoyed me in terms of that storyline is the cow part uh, Nate's dad and like how we have to they're trying to make us feel a bunch of sympathy for Cal Cal because he's gay and his father gave him a really like was really intense with him and like he couldn't be openly gay and he started dating Nate's mom and then got her pregnant um I think she was the first like really open sexual relationship he had um because the way he's talking about like getting blowjobs from her and like and the guy's like where'd you come and he's like guess like he's really like excited about this and he ends up getting her pregnant and then like kind of seals his deal for the rest of his life I mean it doesn't have to but it did and he was like really in love with his best friend like super in love with his best friend and we're supposed to feel sympathy about that but I don't and I don't know why we're spending so much time on Kyle on Cal like I do not care why Cal is doing the things he's doing he is disgusting and like, sure. Did I enjoy the monologue where he's pissing on the floor and he's and he's like, um, and he's like, uh, you know, yelling at Nate and stuff? Yeah, because somebody needs to yell at Nate. <laughs> More people need to yell at Nate. I really enjoyed that, but I wonder at the at the way we're going to focus on that character instead of all these un finish storylines for these other people um I actually don't want to see much of Nate or Cal not at all and I understand if Nate ends up like still being because he is one of the the main characters but I don't need all this from Cal I really don't what I need you to do is explain to me why that picture on the wall at the Jacobs house has has three sons and only two live there I need you to explain that to me. If you had a writer's room, someone someone would have brought that up to you before you you did this. Listen, I've had to write my way out of situations that were already done. Been there, done that, signed an NDA, so I can't tell you about it. But I... So I get how that happens. But if you actually have like a process and have people that can look at stuff and have like rounds of revisions that aren't done like on the set and stuff, you don't have to worry about that you really don't you can just because these not saying you're never gonna have a plot hole but it's 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 much people like your plot holes get filled really easily because other people are looking at it too now people said that that there's a theory that was ashtray if it was ashtray it would mean his mother was like a drug addict because ashtray got dropped off 
at Fez's grandma's house by, by, she said a junkie. Okay, she used the word. Uh, that as collateral. So it doesn't make sense. It also doesn't make sense in the timeline of like the age wise. It doesn't make sense. Um, because that kid in that, that picture is older than Ashtray was when he got dropped off at the fucking house. Ashtray was a fucking baby. Ashtray is the worst character on the show. I wish Ashtray didn't exist. He takes me out of this show so badly. I'm supposed to believe that there is a child with face tattoos working the counter at a convenience store and that's fine. No one said anything. No one investigates it. No one checks. No one. No. That's fine. A, a busy convenience store like where people like people show up to. And there is a child there with face tattoos all day and night. And nobody's dropped a dime on nothing. He's so fucking unrealistic. He's fun. I understand why people like him. He's fun. And it's lovely that Fez has like a brother and like he has all this great, you know, brotherhood stuff with him. Um, they're hinting. So at the end of, obviously, if you're listening to this, you, you've, I hope you have finished uh, this season. At the end of the season, he basically goes out Scarface style um, and it is implied he's dead. But... Uh, the actor whose name is Javon and he's a white guy I, tickles me his name is Javon he's gotta be part black <laughs> but, but somewhere <laughs> but uh, Javon um, it was saying that it's not set in stone that he died in fact Fez was supposed to die in season one Fez was supposed to die in season two but he's so popular everyone loves Fez I think what's happening is so, Angus Cloud. I really hope. I really hope I'm saying his name. I think those are just like his two middle names. Angus Cloud um, gives Mac Miller vibes, and people really miss Mac Miller. Um, and he's he's nice to our our main character, right? He he really takes care of Rue. He refuses to give her drugs. He. Uh, calls her his family he protects her when uh when his connect gives her fentanyl um which okay but he 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 really seems to have Rue's best interest at heart and so he's a lovable character but the reason I like him is he's funny like, I love that he does not know what Jules' name is, which is interesting because Rue is all about Jules in the first season. And y'all are so close. Y'all are like family. You don't know what her name is. He keeps calling her Jewel. And, and that scene where Cal, Cal, has, Cal has come over because he wants to know why Fez beat the fuck out of Nate. And Nate told him it was because he was he was threatening him with a, a sex tape of him and Jules, and so he comes over and I guess he gets scrappy and you know our resident badass Ashtray beats him with a gun, and Fess is talking to fucking Cal and was like, "You're in love with Jewel." <laughs> First of all, it's not her name. You're in love with Jewel. 
Nate's in love with Jewel. Y'all having sex with together? <laughs> like, he seems so confused. He's like, you're confused. I'm confused. Like, it's so fuck. He's funny. And I think he's just really, like, people really, the character's grown him. So he was supposed to die at the end of season one and season two, and he didn't. So, uh, I wonder what's, ha- what's gonna happen with Fez. Like, so Fez has been running a major drug operation for a long fucking time. His grandma was a drug dealer. Like, like so when we watched his grandmother walk through a strip club and shoot and shoot somebody in the leg while his dick was out. <laughs> this is what I mean by gratuitous nudity, nudity, which I don't, it's not like I'm super against it, but I'm just saying, it seems like they're like, and I do appreciate that we see more, that we see dicks as well as uh, women's uh, sexual organs, but at least we get that. But I just... It's real try hard. It's real fucking try hard. Um, but he's been running a major drug operation for a long time. And I wonder how this this raid does for him. And, and, and also there's a murder. There's two murders actually on the plate. And I, I know, I guess you can blame it on the dead kid, but I don't know. Um... I, I got really frustrated at the last in the last episode because Faye knows what's about to happen. And I saw a tweet where someone was like, if Faye don't open her big ass lips and <laughs> and fucking say something. And I was like, yes, Faye, say something. Why are you staying at Fez's house if that guy's your boyfriend? And why aren't you staying with him? What what's going on here? Why are you like steaming Fez's shirt and like telling him he looks cute and and he's like what other girls what other people like girls think I'm cute like he really it really was a Lenny type of like which way did he go which way did he go type of thing and I was like what is what is why is Fez suddenly talking like that um and it really wrote Fez to be very lovable and like a big drug dealer but also naive and also protective and also all these things and so I was really frustrated that Faye didn't say anything. But then when the guy's like recording him, I guess he's, this is like really raggedy recording too. I mean, like uh, snitching ain't like it is on TV. Like you don't always get wires. Unless you're doing some federal shit. Like it really is sometimes you just have to come and be like, I saw so-and-so. And they're like, all right, testify to that. But like the fact that he had, to, did he dial his phone to someone so he could record what they were saying so the person could listen? I hope they have their phone on mute. Cause what if we heard the cars behind you over there? So Fez knows that he's being recorded because Faye finally uses her big ass lips to tell him something. She does a shh and like points of the thing. And so Fez is having this conversation where he's basically like giving nothing, right? So that so that it can be like, basically, nothing was said, nothing was done. You got nothing here. And he signals to Ashtray. Basically, like, chill, 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 chill. Um, Faye, uh, Faye is helping out, finally saying like, oh, um, didn't Lori, who lives over at 322 Whitestone Way, <laughs> you know, the big drug dealer, 
where she keeps all her drugs there at that address. You told me she killed my, like she's finally doing something. And Fez is playing her wrong. And they're basically just like kind of leading them on. And then Ashtray runs over there and kills the dude. Bro. Ashtray is ride or die. Ashtray is badass. But he don't take fucking instructions at all. Like, why do you keep killing people? <laughs> no one's, like, do, do you not... Do we not have a signal for when we need to kill somebody? And uh, Javon, the uh, the actor who plays uh, uh, Ashtray, is like a gymnast. So <laughs> when he leapt through the air and and beat Mouse in the head and then busted up the other guy's face, I was like, oh, they go his gymnast training. <laughs> anyway, um, I hope Ashtray's dead. I do not want to see Ashtray again. He takes me out of the whole thing. Like, a lot of this stuff is super believable. A lot of this stuff is super... When I say believable, I don't mean, like, fantasy, like, or, like... I don't necessarily mean that would never happen in real life. I mean it doesn't fit with the rest of the story. And there are so many holes, plot holes around him that, like, he takes you out of the fucking story. And it's just like, this isn't working. Take this out. Um, I hope he's dead. I don't want to see him anymore. Um, who else? Oh, I want to talk about, uh, Lexi and Fez in the play. And let's start with Lexi and Cassie's mom. Love her. <laughs> She's so funny to me. I like, I just like, she really feels like my mom. Not that my mom is like drunk at the table or anything like that, but more like, <laughs> more just the way she talks. She's like, hey, beauty queens. <laughs> like the way she talked to Rue that day and was just like, Oh, you're going to you're you're going to meetings. Everything's look great. Oh yeah, things you look good, honey. And then when she leaves, she's like, she does not look good. <laughs> she's going through it. I loved her at the play, like just getting her fucking life, getting her life at the play. She was so happy. And the thing is, for the most part, they've set up for Cassie and Lexi to be very. Uh, like very much older hot sister, younger, not so hot sister, even though Maud Apatow is absolutely fucking hot. Um, she's very fucking beautiful. They always got like, they couldn't even make her less beautiful to like play this role, but fine. And Lexi's finally getting some flowers here. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Cassie sucked the room out of everything, out of the air, out of the room all the time. Uh, but now, this is happening. And, and Lexi's getting some shine with this play. I love the tweets about this play because this play, the budget, where the budget come from? She done bankrupt the school district with this fucking play. <laughs> Who approved this play? Who did this? <laughs> I loved, as the I thought the play was funny. Um, I did not like much like the plot device, uh, the storytelling device where they went from the play to real life to play to real life because some of the shit, they fucked up because some of the shit with Rue, because a lot of it was about Lexi and Rue's friendship, which I don't care about. <laughs> I literally don't give a fuck about that. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about that. I also don't care about Rue's dad dying. I could have done those scenes in the first season. I do. As we keep flashing back to this funeral, I'm like, 
okay, your dad died. I get it. Like, I do not care about this. But okay, everybody else loved it. They were like, oh, it's a beauty of friendship. People went up on social media for this shit. They're like, the way that play was about ruins Lexi's friendship. I was like, I'd rather know what's going to happen with Lori. I do not care about them being friends. Also, they spend almost zero time together. <laughs> almost no time together. And yet, out of oh, it's getting late, guys. I gotta, I gotta wrap this up. <laughs> out of all the scenes that we saw in season one and season two, very few are about Lexi and Rue. And so, like this idea of the power of friendship, I'm like, okay. Yeah, fine. Whatever. It's, it was fine. But some of the scenes with Rue is they have it happening in the play, but it hasn't happened yet. So, like, like them talking about what happens after the play ends up being a scene in the play. But, or maybe not, but the, the, it's because the storytelling device was, was confusing. Um, yeah, it's kind of fucked up for Lexi to be doing this play. And she can talk about her experiences and if those experiences involve other people, so what? But like, she's talking about scenes that she wasn't there for. Like that's where, where Cassie is, is high on Molly on a merry-go-round and like having an orgasm. I'm sure she found it out because Cassie told her about it or because Cassie can't keep whole fucking water apparently except for when she's fucking your man or your ex-man or, you know as her mother says it's not really a good defense but um uh it is like it is wrong this is a fucked up thing to do and like I don't know what Lexi thought was gonna happen but your sister getting on the stage was the least of what could happen your sister Nate could have shot the place Nate's always got access to a gun he could have shot the place <laughs> um I really liked the as they're doing the play the in-between scenes of her like I mean she's the main character in the play so she absolutely has no time to be back there checking the play threatening to fire people in the middle of the play <laughs> like talking on the phone in the middle she's the main character and there are lots of scenes again budget but there are lots of scenes and lots of stuff so <laughs> get out of here but that's it's really nice. I really enjoyed this part. And I just I enjoyed that whole episode. Like Rue's character, people said Rue was absolutely sober there. And it took me a while to like see that while she was watching the play. And um I, I finally realized it because her hair was combed. And then and everyone else was really upset about not everyone, but most people were really upset about the play. But then she Rue wasn't Rue seemed fine with all the stuff that was put about her in the play and her dad dying and like her talking to Lexi at his funeral and her passing out and her taking the pills out of her pocket like all this shit she was fine with so I mean if Rue's fine with it what the fuck are we mad about it for um the the Lexi and Fez stuff is very cute and written for you to like fall in love with those characters falling in love um 
I feel like we skipped some steps. Like, did Lexi ever ask Fez why she why he beat the fuck out of Nate? Does Lexi know about the sex tape? By the way, uh, a non-consensual sex tape of a grown man having sex with a minor. Now, I don't know if he knew. I Like, I haven't watched those scenes in a long time. Um, um, so I don't know if, if Jules was telling Cal that she was like 22 or whatever. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember that. But regardless of what she said, that is what happened. Um, and she did not consent to being, being, uh, she can't consent because she's a child and she didn't consent to being filmed. But, um, like, did... Or did Fez tell her that it was because he, Nate sent the cops to raid Fez last year? Is that what it would, like, did she even know? Um, I I don't mind that relationship and I'd like to see more of what, what's happening. They just seem really sweet. Of course, they have uh, Fez being like, I don't like somebody who's on social media all the time while we're all on social media tweeting about this fucking show. <laughs> but, um... Like, I knew he wasn't going to make it. First of all, he was way late anyway. He was still texting her. The play had already fucking started a while ago. Like, they're in, like, act two. And it had 16 acts. But they're, like, in act two. When she he's texting him on the way. So his ass is over there talking to Fagin. His shirt steamed. And his ass is late anyway? Get the fuck out of here. So, what else do I want to talk about? I don't know. I love when people do like parodies about Euphoria when they talk about the guidance counselor <laughs> Euphoria, what they're doing. <laughs> um, I also so Cassie is older than Lexi. Cassie and Maddie are closer to the age, like they're about to graduate. Like Maddie's eighteen, so they're like seventeen, eighteen years old. They're eighteen, right? And Maddie is Cassie's best friend and Kat is Maddie's best friend. So they're all like, I'm assuming they're all about this. So I'll say they're seniors. Lexi is two years younger than Cassie, which might make her a junior. It's possible. But she and Rue are the same age. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Rue's, like, a sophomore and Lexi's a sophomore. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Um, so, I find it difficult. <laughs> I find it difficult to believe that Cassie, Maddie, and Kat, and Rue, and uh, Lexi all hung out all the time. I find it incredibly hard to believe that. And also, I just, I find it hard to believe. And it's by season two that they decide that they're all like a group. And then by the end of season two, the play is like our lives and it's based on everyone's lives. Did they show Kat like becoming like uh, an online sex worker in the play? I don't remember question um so I don't quite buy that 
I don't buy that Rue and Maddie spend a lot of time together or almost any time. I like I would be shocked like if if Rue and Maddie were in a room alone, I would be like, what is that happening? Also, Rue wasn't invited to the party that she crashed. Or was she? Is that why she showed up? Was she invited? Again, maybe I missed it. But listen, when that time when she goes, when Cassie's like, it's just one day at a time, Ruru. And <laughs> Rue's like, Bitch, you've been fucking your best friend's back. <laughs> Woo! Wanna see a dead body? <laughs> I screamed. <laughs> oh, that, that, that was nice. Um, what else do I want to talk about? So overall, I really enjoyed Euphoria. Like, some I can have problems with the way things are written. Like, I don't think season two was very good. If, if you asked my, like, if you asked me to give season two a grade, I would give it a B minus because there were lots of things that wrong in the writing. I think the, the, the performances were great. I think they did a great job. I think Jules, what little she was able to do, did a great job. I also read something that like the person who plays Jules, his name is Hunter, right? So Hunter and Jacob, which is the person who plays Nate, they... I saw something that Sam was writing in a way that the two of them didn't have to be in scenes together. Are they in a fight? You know what? Let me pause. Let me Google if they're in a fight. Okay, it's just rumor, but apparently they unfollowed each other. They like give lots of praise and then they unfollow each other. And then uh, there's been rumors that um, Sam rewrote the script so they didn't have to be with each other. Because what's going on with Cassie and Nate was supposed to go on with Jules and Nate. And, okay. Just so you know, on One Tree Hill, they wouldn't have done this. They would have just, they would have wrote whatever the fuck they wanted to. And you would have to be in the room with your, with your ex-husband. Um, <laughs> no, they didn't do that. But they did do a lot of fucked up things on, on that show. Um, that I've never seen, but so, apparently know so much about. Um, or not, if I'm saying it wrong. But, um, so that... And now think, so let, so let me noodle this. What if this, all this shit that happened with with Cassie and Nate actually happened with Jules and Nate? I, I don't think it would, you know what? I'm glad this happened because I don't know if that would have worked. Like it's, it's obvious Nate's in love with Jules, right? Because even when he was catfishing her, he was like, everything I said was true. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um... But I don't want that for anybody. So is it season three? I guess they're back. I guess it's squashed now or whatever. At least that's the rumor. Again, these are just rumors. Who knows if they're fucking true? I mean, they did unfollow each other, but... Mm. But if... Season three, they have Nate and Jules get together. I don't know. I just don't want to watch more of Nate. Like, you have to be careful with your villains. You cannot write them as being like super bad like okay so you know how superman is like pretty much the worst superhero right because they wrote him to be end all be all and then they had to throw in some like kryptonite to like help with a to help because there'd be no storyline if you could do everything like you can write villains like that too villains that are too villainy and if you want to go, but you want to go and do a turn with them, you can't because you've you've gone too far, and that 
scene where Nate is Nate talks about having visions of his father fucking him and saying certain things to him all his life because he used to watch those videos was disturbing. And that, that's how I would describe a lot of scenes in Euphoria as disturbing. Um, but it wasn't enough. Like, it didn't just make everything okay. So, like, I don't know. If, if we get, so let's say season three. Season three, which is going to take five years to fucking film. If, what I want to see in season three, I want to see what Maddie is like not tied to Nate because the two of them are such a like a toxic twosome and like like what is she when she's not when she doesn't have Nate as her foil I want to see I would like it if Rue if we get to see the rest of the school year where Rue is where Rue is sober girl what's the rest of the school year is like two weeks away <laughs> What if they were filming this in like May? <laughs> anyway, the rest of the school year with her, I want to see Rue sober for a period of time, but also having to deal with the repercussions of her addiction because that happens. That happens. You start getting yourself together and you still have to deal with all the shit that went down when you were using and so then we can like get the Lori stuff in there. People were like, oh, cause Faye said that on the tape. Um, they went and arrested Lori and Lori's in jail now. And so she doesn't have to worry about the money she owed her. Bull fucking shit. First of all, none of that happened. <laughs> you made that up because Sam didn't write it in there. And two, that does not mean the debt's paid. So I'd like to see that problem become like just all of the her messy entanglements uh I want to see her sister like you know when Ali was telling her sister that it's okay to be angry at her that like you don't have to su suppress these like absolutely valid feelings just because it would make it hard on um Rue Rue is making things hard on Rue it's not your fault that's great but I would love to see Gia like I'd love to see that relationship as Rue start. Like, I want to see Rue get sober and, and like try to do things and have the repercussions of what she's done in the past. Like, have to deal with that. So Cassie and Nate are broken up, right? I want them to stay broken up. But I'd be fine if Cassie like went full on Glenn Close and like, like, cause at the end of the season, she like I said, she's the Joker at the end of the season. Uh, she scared the fuck out of me when she put her face up to that, when she was breathing all hard in that window. I was like, uh-uh, no, no, something bad's gonna happen. Um, but like, I'd like to see that. And I'd like to see where Lexi and Fez go. Um, Fez obviously is gonna be arrested. I wanna, like, is Lexi gonna visit him at the jail? I wanna see where that goes. Um, Elliot says, the guy who plays Elliot, and I guess... The guy who plays Elliot and the girl who plays Hunter are dating. And they're seeing pictures of them holding hands, leaving clubs and shit like that. Um, but Elliot is going to be back for season three. He's confirmed it. Um, I'm fine with that. I know everybody thinks Elliot's the worst person on earth, but like, 
I feel like all the things that happen between him, Rue, and Jules are just like what happens. Like people were being selfish, people were lying, people it just what happens. Um Oh, you know what I like seeing season three? McKay. You guys know, I've talked about this before. I watch the new edition like miniseries all the fucking time. It's three episodes. And the guy who plays uh McKay plays Ralph Tresvent um in this in this miniseries, and he's a really good Ralph. Um I know he's lip syncing, I guess, but it's still he's still a really good Ralph. Um, and so it's hard for me to look at McKay. But McKay only got one scene in one episode. And I know McKay's in college. McKay's older than they are. But I don't know. It just feels like... It just feels like there's more. I'd like to see McKay in season three. I know a lot of people don't like to see him, but uh, he's the only black guy on the show. Uh, so I like to keep him around a little bit and I want more Barbie. Like, okay, so then I guess I want more episodes in season, in season three, because there's only what, nine episodes? Is it eight or nine episodes? And it's not enough for this big ensemble of characters. You get, you need more. Um, it would be quite funny if in season three, we got less room, right? Zendaya's busy. <laughs> we get less Rue. She's still like uh, doing vo- voiceovers, but we get less of her. I don't know. Um. It, oh, and in season three, I want to see more origin stories. Though when season one did that, where they show you like what the fuck is wrong with somebody, that's essentially what they were. They were like, "Here's what's wrong with this character. Let's start in childhood." And I thought that would be so, that I like that a lot. Let's do one with, Ru, with Rue's mom. Rue's mom got a lot of screen time this year. Um, yeah, let's do something like that. Let's let, no more cow. I don't want to talk about cow. I don't want to see cow. I don't want to. I know that when Nate's mom was talking to him and she was like, she was like, I really felt proud of you when we stood up when she called, when Maddie called me a cunt. Because in the first season, Maddie, like, Nate's like, my family doesn't like you. And no shit, they don't like her. <laughs> but, okay, and also let's talk about the fact that Maddie's a Latina and Cassie is a blonde white girl. And and his mom was like, I like that other girl better. I bet you fucking do, don't you? Because Maddie is... <laughs> I bet you do. Anyway, and so so they don't like her because one, she shows up with cutouts down the side of her ass to her ankles and stars painted on her face. No, they don't fucking like her. And and um so and he tells her that and then she gets high and comes over there when they win the chili cook-off and basically says she basically like calls his mom a cunt. And then Nate chokes her up. And his mom is fully aware that he actually choked her and that like, like he didn't, I'm about to say just choke her. Guys, he really fucking choked her. He put his, he put his arm, his hand, she had all these bruises and shit. He was gonna kill her ass. Kill her. Um, 
And so his mom being like, I was so proud of you. And Oop, don't choke me. I like, it was funny, but it's also like, these are such bad people. Cal goes to jail at the end of the season. So let's leave him there. Let's leave him there. I don't want to see the mom anymore. I don't want to see the older brother. If I want Nate to be a friend of, meaning I don't go home with him. <laughs> He's in the ensemble scenes and that's it. If he has to be there at all. Anybody else? Uh, I think I got everybody. I think I got everybody. Um, but like I said, overall, it gives us like a B minus. Um, I still enjoyed myself, but there are some big parts I was like, you got to do better with this. Like you have to, uh, you, you, you get a writer's room, get a fucking, get an experienced writer's room and you still make up all the stories and you still do all the stuff and you still be in charge. But like some people will be like, okay, don't make a left there because then we're going to have to make a right to get back home. Like, let's figure out what people will do that. Um, but it's okay. I'll be like in my late fifties by the time season three comes out. So who cares? Wow, I've been talking for about two hours. It's long. I've yawned a lot. It's after midnight. And I need to put this podcast out. So, Nicole, I hope this is what you wanted. I hope this has fulfilled you. I hope you feel like you got your money's worth. Um, and thank you for commissioning it. Thank you for giving me a reason to talk about Euphoria and not have to take notes on the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you are listening to this and you're like, man, I can't believe... Princess went over there and made Nicole's dreams come true and she hasn't made my dreams come true, you should message me on Patreon or you should email me at hello at buypumpkinpodcast.com and let's talk about, let's talk about what you want and let's see if I can do it for $20, okay? Next week, back to Rock of Love. Until then, 